In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we read in the scripture the parable of the wicked vine dressers, where there is a owner of a vineyard that asks certain people to come and tend the vineyard for him while he goes away, and he is not present with them, and he is asking them to tend the vineyard uh, on his behalf. And the vine dressers, after a while, not seeing the owner of the vineyard with them all the time, begin to imagine that this vineyard actually belongs to them and that they can do with it as they wish and that no one is ever going to ask of them anything concerning this vineyard or to ask of the fruit of the vineyard or anything. So when the owner of the vine of the vineyard begins to uh, send servants of his to go and ask of the fruit, to ask to, to, to receive something from his vineyard, the servants, they beat these servants, the, the, the wicked servants of the vineyard, they beat the servants that are sent by the master and even up to his own son that, uh, that the owner of the vineyard sent, they kill him. Christ said this parable to the Pharisees uh, as a symbol of what the uh, Jews, the Hebrews had done all throughout history is that God had sent uh, all these prophets to them and yet the Jews had rejected these prophets, they had killed the prophets, and then finally his own son, Jesus Christ, that he sent to the people, and then we know that in the end that they killed his son as well. So this parable is, is essentially a, a, an allegory for the history of Israel, and now even up to the time of Christ, that he, is there, that he sent his only son to them, and that they are going to mistreat him and kill him. But one important lesson that we can learn from from this is that God is the owner and so maybe even now as we live in the world and we, we, we live our lives and we have a lot of possessions and we, we go through our life day to day and maybe God is not visible in our sight that we see him with our eyes but we tend to forget this fact that God is the owner that he is the one who owns everything he is the one who planted the vineyard and owns the vineyard even of our own lives so we want to speak a little bit about some of the lessons that we can learn from this parable as it applies to our lives. So what are some of the ways that God is an owner here in the world? So one is he created the earth itself, right? So we read in Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness, the world and all those who dwell in it, right? So God created everything. God created us, the whole creation, the universe, God created it and he owns it, and he manages it, he runs it, but he's asked us to be stewards of it. For instance, when he put Adam in the Garden of Eden, he said what to him? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let, him have, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He said the human beings are to have dominion over the earth. And that he even asked Adam to name the animals and to give them all names. So while we are here and we feel that, okay, we, we have dominion and we have authority and we really, there is no one here telling us what to do, but we shouldn't forget that we are just the stewards of this vineyard. We are the stewards of the earth. We are stewards of everything that God has placed here. We are not the owners. We are not the masters. We are only stewards. Also, we are stewards of the church. In Acts 20, verse 28, it says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So God is the one who has established the church, but he has given to people to be overseers of the church, to be stewards of this church that God has given. The church is not a human organization. You know, and sometimes people look at the church and look at maybe the, the synod, the bishops, you know, the clergy of the church and see that these are the people that are making decisions and running the church. Actually, 
the, the church is looking to God to run the church. The church is saying, we are asking God for you to give us guidance and direction so that we can run the church according to God's will. The clergy and the bishops and the pope and everyone, these are just stewards that God has, is using to run the church, to oversee the church. And we are called to participate as stewards in the church, but we are not the owners. You know, this building that we have, you know, thank God for it and, 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 and thank God for this church that we have. In a hundred years from now, all the people that are here are going to be gone and there's going to be a whole new, a whole new congregation. People that don't even exist today are going to be the new congregation of this church. And God is the one who is running this church, right? And these people, we are simply stewards of the church. We keep the church a place uh, where people can grow and thrive spiritually for our sake and for the sake of the generation that is to come. This is one very important thing about the Orthodox faith is that in the Orthodox faith, we don't come up with any kind of a new doctrine that we you know, invent you know, in one generation or in one year. We say what, whatever it is that the church has believed in the past, the tradition of the church, we keep this tradition and we pass it on to the next generation because we are stewards. We are not the owners. We are not God to create new theology, to create new doctrine. All we simply do is take what God has given us and we deliver it to the next generation. Also in marriage, we are stewards. In Matthew 19, verse 6, it says, Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. God is the one who unites two people together in marriage. And two people that are united together in marriage, it is, God, it is a relationship that has been blessed by God, that has been united by God. So he's saying, what God has united, do not untie. What God has made, do not unmake. What God has placed, do not take away. Right? This is our place in the universe. This is our place in the world. Is that we are saying whatever God does, we we support it. We worship it. We 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 don't worship it. We worship God who made it. We see that God is the one who is organizing everything. And so whatever God does, we we encourage that thing that God has done. So if God says, "What I have united these two people together," we don't unmake this. We don't say, "Okay, well, uh, it is up to me." This is like the the vineyard owner, the vineyard owner that has planted the vineyard and put these stewards in his place in in his vineyard in order for them to tend the vineyard, and yet they come back and say, "Well, we haven't brought you any fruits." Well, the, the vineyard owner is going to say, well, didn't I place you here for this purpose so that you would bear fruits and that you would give some of the fruit to me, right? It's not up to you to decide whether you bear fruit or not. It is, it is the owner of the vineyard who has placed us here. God is the one who has placed us here. Why is it that God owns marriage? Why is it that God has made marriage and family so important? He says in Malachi chapter 2, he's speaking and says, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, speaking about the man and the woman, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. He's seeking godly offspring. God has very much like interest in stable marriages and stable families because it is through these that God creates godly offspring. It is through stability in our relationships that we're able to teach our children about the fear of God and to raise them in the fear of God. So God has planted this. This is a vineyard. God has planted these relationships that we have, and he calls us to struggle to maintain them, to thrive, to grow, to correct, to improve, so that we can what return again something to the vineyard owner who is calling us to give him some of the fruit. Also, children themselves are from the Lord. We read in Psalm 127, verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. 
We do not own our children. They do not belong to us. We are not trying to make children in our own image. We are not trying to make our children such that they satisfy us, so that they please us, so that they fill our, you know, our, our sense of, um, you, you know, like we, we, we feel good about ourselves because we have good children. We are, we are not trying to, to make our children to be something that we impress people by our children. They look at my child, he got into this school, he did this, he did this, he did this. And on the flip side, when our children are not so good, maybe we feel embarrassed by them. But again, this is not, this is not what we are called for. The children are a heritage from the Lord. We are here as stewards to help raise our children in the fear of God, not to boast of them. Not to say, look, this is my child. Look how much I put my effort into raising this child and how much he is good, right? So that we can compare our children to other people. God is the one who has given us children to raise them in the fear of God. When Hannah had Samuel, after Samuel had been weaned, she gave him back to the Lord again. She told him, she told God, if you give me a male child after he is weaned, I will give him to the temple. He will be completely dedicated and consecrated to the service of the temple. And maybe we don't, literally and physically give our children to the church and say okay now this child belongs to the church but we should be doing this spiritually to god saying god you this child belongs to you you tell me how you want me to raise this child you tell me how you want this child to grow and i will do according to what you say in the baptism after the baptismal prayer there is a commandment that the church is saying to the parents and it is essentially saying now that you have baptized your child you have certain responsibilities and obligations that you must raise them in a certain way you must you must teach them the faith you must uh, allow them to fast and teach them about fasting you must bring them to church you must do all of these things not because this is your child because this is a child of god because you have saying i have committed to raise this child of god in the orthodox faith so this is our responsibility toward our children we are raising them in the fear of god because they are a heritage from the lord they are a gift from god that god is giving to us not that they belong to us but that they belong to him another way that god is an owner and we are stewards is in our bodies in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Meaning what? That even our own bodies, which is maybe the thing that we own that's the most intimate to us. You know, it's the thing that we own that's not outside of us. It's the thing that is actually inside of me. It is part of me. It is physically part of who I am. That is how intimate this is and yet even this is not ours this is not something he's saying what are, and you are not your own he says you are not your own you were created by god you are you are god is your father god is the one who begot you god is the one who made you so because god is the one who made you then you obey his rules you follow his standards of what it is that he wants you to do this is why for instance when we say like um being a drug addict like taking drugs is a sin is a sin why is it a sin it's a sin because this is against what god wants for us he doesn't want our bodies to be damaged by anything right because it is his i don't go and say well this is my body i can do with it as i please no he's saying very clearly this is not your body this is a gift that you have been given be a steward be a good steward of this gift that you are given job actually after he lost all of his possessions and he lost all of his children and he completely lost his health and he lost everything that anyone can imagine this is what he said he said naked i came from my mother's womb and naked shall i return there 
The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's saying, if I identify that absolutely everything in my life comes from God, then whether I receive an abundance or whether God takes it back, in the end, I am a steward. I'm here just to manage whatever it is God sees fit to give me. If he's sees fit to give me a, a, an abundance of things, great. I will manage those things and I will manage them wisely to the best of my ability. But if he takes those things away and says, okay, now it's not the time for you to have these things. I say, okay, I am just a steward. I'm just a servant of God. In, in the parable, he goes on to say what? He leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country for a long time. It's important for us to understand this word leasing, right? Because, because we, we sometimes forget that this is a lease. We, we, we think that this is an ownership. And here he made it clear that he leased it. And yet those servants of the, of the vineyard, because they remained in the vineyard for such a long time, and because the, the, the master went into a far country for such a long time, they began to forget about him. They begin to think, well, this master, you know, we haven't seen him. We don't know where he is. He's very far away. He hasn't come in a long time. So he must not really care so much. He, mu he might not ever come back. So we might as well just do what we please with the, what it is that we have received from him. And to the point where they begin to think that this vineyard actually belongs to them. We might also have the similar attitude as we, we think, you know, where is God and what is actually is he doing? And he hasn't come and asked us to do anything necessarily. So I'm just going to do as I please without any consequence, thinking that there is no consequence. But here God is reminding us there's a consequence to everything that we do. There is a consequence to the way that we manage our life and that we are here to glorify God, not simply to glorify ourselves, right? This is everything we have has been leased, right? We have leased it from the Lord. There is nothing actually, when you think about it, there is nothing actually that we truly own. There is nothing that truly belongs to me. Everything is a lease. Everything, something God has given me for a time to manage it, to tend it, to take care of it. And then what? He will take it back. And there will be a time where we return it to him. Also, he is requesting fruit, meaning he is requesting that we give him more than what he gave us. You know, he, he, he gave us something. He says, what? Tend it so it produces fruit so that when you return it back to me, you're returning it with more. Like in the parable of the talents where he asked these stewards to, to invest the, the talents that he gave them so that when he returns, he will have interest. He will have growth. He will have something productive that the servants have done. He says, now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruits of the vineyard. Right? What do we do when God asks us for fruit? How do we respond when God asks us for fruit? Do we do, we do like these vine dressers and we say, well, the fruit is ours. We are going to take the fruit. We are going to have the benefit. We are going to take the glory. We are actually serving ourselves for the fruit that we want, not the fruit that we're going to give to you. We're not going to give you any fruit because what we are, this is, this is my body. This is my life. This is my relationship. This is my whatever. I'm going to manage it the way that I think should be managed. And I'm going to keep the fruit for myself. But here God is saying, what? No, you are doing this to give it back to me. You're not doing this to just keep it for yourself. He wants whatever he gives us to grow. And this highlights to us the, the relationship between the work of God and the work of man. Okay. God does so many things for us, but he doesn't do what it is that we ourselves can do. So it is a cooperation. God might give us, let's say, a, a, a certain talent. You know, let's say someone has very, very good musical ability 
and they can you know learn music very well they can sing very well they can play instruments but they never practice and they never try and they never grow in this so even though god gave them this talent they're still not very good at music because they don't use the talent that god gave so god is asking us to use the talents that he gave us to manage the the things that he gave us to manage our bodies to manage our families to manage our career to manage all the talents that we have to produce fruit in it and through this God will be glorified. God will be glorified through the way that we give fruit back to Him. Also, we read that He is very patient. In verse 13, it says, Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. After he saw that all the servants that he sent initially, they were beaten and sent back empty-handed, what did the vine owner, the vineyard owner do? You know, maybe if it was in my possession, maybe if I were the vineyard owner, after just sending one sing one servant to the, the vine dressers and that they mock him and beat him and insult him and send it back, at this point, I'm going to be enraged. At this point, I'm going to, you know, go and maybe kill those people or file a lawsuit against them or do whatever to get my rights from them. But this isn't what the master of the vineyard did. After the first servant came back empty-handed and mocked, he sent another servant. And after that servant was mocked, maybe he sent a third servant. And maybe he sent many servants. And then after all of the servants were sent, he said, well, none of this has worked, but I still, I, 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 I want to give these uh, vine dressers another opportunity, another chance. So I'm going to send them my beloved son. And surely they will listen to him because he is my flesh. It is like I myself am speaking because I sent him not just a servant, not just a messenger, but it's like I myself am coming and telling them this. So he is very patient with these vine dressers, just as God is very patient with us. Maybe we don't understand this, or maybe we understand it, but we struggle to do it. We struggle to serve him. We struggle to be good stewards of his vineyard. And yet God gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and he's looking for any sign of growth or any sign of repentance, that he wants us to improve in any way. And he doesn't want to see us to be destroyed, and he doesn't want the, the time to come of judgment. But there will be a time. There will be a time where if we reject all of his messengers and we reject all of his, you know, even even he himself when he came, if we reject this, it says what? In verse 16, he will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. You know, this is was spoken specifically to the Pharisees because the Pharisees believed that they would be the nation of Israel forever that they would be the people of God forever, that God could never completely reject them as his people and adopt another people to be his people. And so when Christ is telling them this parable, they respond to this and they say, certainly not, like this is not going to happen. How is it that God is going to, because of the obstinance of his people, reject them and then give his, you know, a different group of people to become the people of God? But this is actually exactly what happened. God rejected the nation of Israel and now everyone who was a believer of Christ is the people of God. So it was no longer a nation, but it was the, an entire people, regardless of ethnicity, that have been accepted by him. So he is telling this to us. It's like whoever believes, whoever is willing to work, whoever accepts the message, those are, the, those are my people. Those are the ones that I will work. I'm opening the vineyard up to everybody. There isn't just one group of people that are going to be my vine dressers anymore. I'm calling everyone to be a worker. I'm calling everyone to serve. And whoever hears this call and listens and begins to work, that is, my, is, is among my children. But whoever rejects this call, in the end what he says, 
he will come and destroy those vine dressers. After his patience, after so many opportunities, if you still do not listen, then this is the outcome. So we learn many, many lessons from this parable. And we see how God is calling us to serve. And we see how everything that we have is not our own. This belongs to God. And we are called to glorify Him and Him only. And we see how God is giving us many, many opportunities to follow Him. But in the end, if we do not follow, if we do not change, if we do not grow, then He says to us what? He will come and destroy those vine dressers, which definitely we do not want. We are asking to God to give us always open eyes so that we can see the vineyard as it is, that my body, my life, my family, my work, my money, everything that I have been given by God does not belong to me. It is belonging only to Him. So that we can say with Job that God has taken, given and God has taken and whether He gives or whether He takes, we glorify Him because we know that He is good in all things. And glory be to God forever. Amen.